Hello, I'm Edgar Papke. And I'm Ken Sagendorf. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast. Where we talk about all things alignment. The greatest predictors of success in life is alignment. It's our work and play in our families, our communities, and all of our relationships, including at uh, the relationship to ourselves. Indeed. We're live here in the Innovation Center in the Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. I'm just thinking how much fun this is. We've done over 20 of these podcasts now, and every time I look up, uh, it seems that you're smiling, and I realize I'm smiling too. It's a lot of fun, and I want to thank you, those that are out there listening, and do tune in and listen to the recordings of the podcast. Uh, just thanks very much. And as always, as a reminder, all your thoughts, questions, comments, anything at all are welcome uh, during both both uh, when we're broadcasting live as well as uh, in the intervals of time between the podcasts. Feel free to, to write us, and we thank all of you that, uh, that have been. So appreciate that greatly, as well as some of your comments on LinkedIn. So thanks, thanks for that as well. Yeah, you can find us at truealignment.com or... Edgar at truealignment.com or Ken at truealignment.com. Yeah. Email us, uh, connect with us, and we're happy to answer any and all questions that you have. So, Edgar, I get asked where we come up with the topics for these conversations. And, uh, you know, the answer is everywhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? It's, it's conversations we have with people. I always uh, I come back to the idea of... Um, you know, I, I shared in one of the earlier podcasts, I, you know, I mentioned uh, something about my daughter's driving and I had her listen to it and she was very upset with me, um, right? That I said she drove uh, slow and careful. Well, at least your daughter's listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I forced her to listen on oh, that one. Okay. But, but you know, the <laughs> funny story about that I is get a listener. <laughs> I tease my wife because, uh, you know, I would just say, hey, you want to listen to my podcast? And so, uh, you know, she'd be like, yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. She's always talking to me about the podcast she listens to while she's in the gym, which is a much funnier podcast than ours, by the way. Um, but uh, she was she was having some struggle at work, and I said, you know, this one, uh, are you feeling stuck? Which I think was episode 18 or so, something like that. I said, you, sh- you should listen to this one. And I sent her the link to all the podcasts, and she mistakenly listened to a different one. Uh-huh. And uh, she came back, and she's like, oh, my God, that was perfect. And I'm like, well, yeah, what did we talk about? Because, you know, it wasn't one we had just done. And so um, she's telling me about it. I'm like, that's not the one. So she had listened to the wrong one. And then she went back and, you know, she kind of, I forced her to listen to two. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's that, it's, it's uh, every morning when we're walking the dog together, we have a conversation about her job and my job and, mm-hmm. you know, questions. And so sometimes the topics when I come in, I'm a little excited because some of the topics are about that conversation. Um, but last week I was out in, uh, Baltimore, right. Working with a, um, collection of CEOs and some of their employees. Yeah. And we were introducing the alignment framework, but we were also talking about, um, uh, some design thinking and walking them through the exercise of, you know, very beginnings of design thinking. Uh And the one, problem that group had asked to think through was the idea of how do we manage a remote workforce yeah so covid is or is not breaking free who knows today no it's definitely not not where uh where we seem to be re-engaging at least in this part of the world we are 
Yeah, lots of family members right now that are positive for COVID. Um, but you know, who knows? Who knows what what that's going to bring us? And sure. um, but a lot of companies, a lot of organizations are saying, you know, COVID has passed, and now we need to rapidly bring everybody back to the office. Right. And so we wanted to think through some of this, and it was really um, some sets of really interesting questions that were that were happening because of uh, this conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I talked to one company, and they had said that the um, the productivity had jumped through the roof. Yeah. During COVID, and and my question was, well, then why do you need to bring them back? Yeah. What one of the reasons that you'd want to? <laughs> yeah. Create that kind of a. Uh-huh. Another gr- another group talked about, you know, they want to be able, they want some freedom, and so I was trying to understand, like, well, what what is the freedom? What is the freedom that they're losing by coming back to the office? They're like, oh, freedom to, you know, to answer the door for the appliance repair guy. Um, yeah, the freedom that I can make my own choices in the moments that I need to. Uh, we've talked about this here on the air that uh, uh, our definition of freedom that we use is freedom of the, of the moments we exist without fear. I mean, really, when you strip everything else away, that's what freedom's about, that we have the freedom of the choices to uh, to do what we want to do and decide what we want to do. You know, we Very often in organizations, we call it empowerment. You know, and at the end of, the, end of the day, when you look at it, what really empowerment is, is the, the ability of people to make decisions. That's what it boils down to. So it's interesting. So that, you know, that, that freedom to make decisions, that, uh-huh. um, there's some you know, personal control and uh, a lot of the conversations that, that we were having with other people and some of the questions that were coming in were along this line of, you know, as an employee, I want some freedom to make decisions. Yeah. And then <laughs> the idea of once you move from employee to manager, all of a sudden the relationship changes and you need to figure out how to motivate others to make some decisions, and I, I can share. Um, so I'll leave that there, and then I have. And I have then some the, thoughts to share. the top thing, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to go back to something that's so important in this conversation. Is you you started, and and described how you introduced the group of CEOs and their employees to just initially what design thinking is, and you think about it really as a, as a process that leads to making good decisions. At the end of the day, that's what we're talking about a creative process, something that's human centered and and. Uh, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, and the note that went through my mind at the moment you were talking about it was how often we're in front of audiences or working with people, and they have heard of design thinking. They really don't know what it is or understand it or see it as a process of problem and decision-making that's so powerful. So I think that in of itself, that's a, an interesting aspect of it. I think there's also the, uh, uh, the, the idea of you know what really are we talking about when we start talking about empowerment and we talk about people being able to make their own decisions and this idea of fear and then you know our desire for control and control uh, for leaders very often is the fear of not again having predictability of work of things working exactly the way i want them to and how can i really truly empower others and still get exactly what it is that i'm seeking and wanting <laughs> oh man <laughs> you start peeling away at that one and that's uh uh, and at some point you realize that if I can't be rid of my own fear or, or embrace it, now we, 
we talked recently about you can't go around fear, you got to go through it. And if I can't embrace that idea of, of letting go control at that level, how can I really ever function as a, as a really a truly high-performing leader um, where other people feel empowered, where they're empowered and they really feel like they have the responsibility, not, not just the authority, but the responsibility to respond in a moment to make decisions when we're constantly looking to, to over, at times, over-control it. And it is interesting because one of the things that we we look at and with the with the great alignment, right, the great resignation. Just last week there was some a study published, and uh, you know toxic cultures uh, are part of that. And when you take a look at what a toxic culture is in an organization, you find typically that it lacks honesty and truth, um, and it and a lot of that's driven by the desire for people to over control but anyway there's just some thoughts that ran through my head as, as i was listening to yeah um so many are running through my head too edgar I, you know i love what you said there that the idea that well that one part that you mentioned that a leader knows on paper that you're supposed to empower people to make their own decisions uh-huh. and then you contrasted that in order to do exactly what I want them to do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the... Right. Thanks I, for catching that. Yeah, I think that's the... Uh, yeah. You know, I think that's the... that's the, I think that's the kicker right now, right? I mean, that's the, that's the stickiest point. Yes. Is that um, many leaders already have the answer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just goes back to, you know, some of those conversations are, you know, when we introduce the framework and we talk about the, the what, the why, and the how... And, and, you know, many leaders can struggle to, to understand what they're trying to accomplish and why they're trying to accomplish yeah. it. But even the ones that can get those answers still struggle with the how we accomplish it. Yeah. And I think it's so important to remember, and that's, and that's part of the simplicity of the, of the true alignment framework, is this idea that if we can understand that, quote-unquote, human-centered perspective, right, that we can apply we begin to understand what motivates people. And one of the starting points as, as we teach and we, and we do this work is to begin at the core of who are you as a leader and mo- what motivates you most because that's going to be what's projected out into the world and how it is that you uh, create if, for whatever variety of need it is, whatever that control looks like. So some examples, and you can hear the model coming to life through this, uh, based on the FIRO theory going all the way back over, what, a half a century now of knowledge and understanding human behavior. Uh, we have the, uh, the motivation um, to, to, to be connected to one another, to be connected and to, um, to be in community with one another. And so as a leader, if I see a great need for that, uh, I, could, I could have a high degree of productivity during, during uh, times when people are working remotely and then to try and force them or put them in a situation of needing to come back into the office. And, and there's the word needing. So what's the need here? Is it the need of the people that are doing the work that, you want to, that you've been, been empowering and they're performing at a high level and now you have a need for a community just on your own and so that you influence others to create a community around you? And that's, and that's really what's going on? that it's the idea that you don't want to be lonely as a leader, so you manifest 
an environment around yourself to satisfy that need? Or, or is it a need that you want more control over the decisions that they're making? And so you take away certain aspects of what they've, what employees are starting to lean into and feel good about. I think one of the things that, that, that we're seeing here is that people that enjoy working remote like the autonomy that's with it, obviously. But what does autonomy mean? That I'm in control and I can make decisions and I can do that. And, and those, those that I see working really well remotely are those where leaders are letting people do what they need to do without always having to check in, without always having to wait for an answer, without always waiting for permission to occur. And then there's, a, and then there's the caring part of it. And I think one of the things that's showing up in a really powerful way is this idea of how, we, how leaders are showing more and more caring and letting people flourish to really be who they want to be and to self-actualize in different ways, which is what you and I talk about and we've come to recognize as the great alignment is all about, that the resignation is really leaning into a, do- a desire to better align my life. And why do I want to be engaged with an organization that I think has a toxic culture? as opposed to one that has a healthy, vibrant, trusting culture, one where I really feel cared for as a human being. And that realization is, I think, the wave that's coming across. That's what's happening. And it's showing up in so many ways, even in the, in the, uh, in the housing, what's going on in housing and the housing crisis. And you, you see that um, median prices for homes are accelerating and yet wages aren't keeping up. And there's this, this ongoing disparity and as I listen to uh, millennials and younger people questioning, what is business doing? Because they're looking at it and saying it's, it's all about this is what business is doing to the world. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we talk about that so much here in the Anderson College of Business and Computing. Uh, you know, what is the role of business in society and, and for creating, <laughs> creating that society, positive societal impact and you know, so much challenge pushing back on that one. Uh, you know, our friend and colleague, Jay Schreiber, he, he asked this question about, you know, what do we do if we get some feedback um, uh, with somebody's opinion and what are we supposed to do with that? And, I, and I, I'm going to reframe that question for Jay. Jay's not here, so I'm going to reframe it for him. Yeah. But I you guess know, he's probably, we're going to hear from him in a matter of moments. <laughs> but, you know, I think uh, he, I think leadership is really lonely mm-hmm. um, yeah. because <laughs> I think you actually, this is not how we sell leadership when you're very young. We sell leadership as more control. And I would argue that the best leaders have to figure out how to have less control. Yes. Right. You have to figure out how to let the people around you be them. You have to figure out how to have the freedom for some feedback uh, and some opinion that you might not like, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's I think that's part of your job. You, you know, here we offer we offer a master's degree in organizational leadership, and and you know for years there's always been this idea of of uh, leadership science as a thing, and depending on who you talk to, um, s- some people will say yes it's a science, and some people will say that it's an art. Right. What do you t- what do you say? What's your line for business, Edgar? Business is the art and science. No, you always say something along the lines of the the most elevated form of human art. Oh yeah, yeah. It's most yeah. It is. It is. It's uh, it's, it's it's definitely the 
um, I think it's the pinnacle of art. It really is. And because I look at the world through the lens and I think it's easy to see it, that all arts, all different forms of arts, rely on business to sustain. And yeah. it's, it is the most advanced art form that we participate in as human beings. You know, it needs, it needs an elevation of attention, right? I mean, I think that this, is the, this might be the conversation about remote work is I don't really know what to do with my attention anymore. Right, because it, as you have people are are you know, because leadership is an art form, you are you have to constantly pay attention to figure out how to move things in a direction. I, and I I think I've shared this story before. I you know I run our MBA here and I mm-hmm. go sit in on classes when I get an opportunity. And last summer I sat in on one of our capstone classes and they do a simulation in there and. That simulation at that time was they had to start a, a global bicycle company. They had to figure out what what kind of frames to make, how to market them, and they run through six quarters of, of sales in that business. And on the final night of that class, one of the students who was uh, finishing their MBA said, "You know, I don't um, I don't know what happened because in the first quarter, uh-huh. we were first. I'm enjoying where you're taking this." We were, we were first. Uh-huh. And then by the time we got to the fourth quarter, we were last. Uh-huh. And I don't know what happened. What's the answer? And I, you know, I, um, you've known me for a long time. I, had, uh, I, I have a hard time sitting quietly. Uh-huh. Um, but I had for almost the full eight weeks, I had mostly sat quietly unless I was asked a direct question. But then I just couldn't handle on that final night, and I kind of jumped up from the other side of the room, right? There was 20, 23, 24 students in the room, and I jumped up from the other side of the room, and I said, <laughs> I'm not sure the degree served you well. I said, the answer is it depends. It depends on a multitude of factors that are constantly changing, mm-hmm. right? And in order to lead business, you need, your attention has to be on balancing and managing and watching all of these constant changes to use for your decision making. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think the mistake is often when you think leadership is, I've got this piece of information, I've decided in there it's in play. Yeah. And then you, you've, you have mistakenly been led to believe that you can stop paying attention at that time. And maybe it's just easier if people are in front of you to pay attention. Um, yeah, I think that's a part of it because there's a certain level of control when you've got it right in front of you, you can see it all. You can see it all right there. And I do think that for, to a great degree, I'm going to go back to something else in this that you, and that you brought into the conversation is that there's this aspect of, uh, of, of somehow feeling lonely when you're, you know, you're moving to the top and it's lonely at the top, as it's said, um, because there seems to be this, um, the the level or, or the type of attention, and the in, uh, the motivation behind the intention shifts. You know, now I begin to just pay attention to the pieces that I want to pay attention to, and I don't really see all the moving parts. And then I have to rely on others to help me pay attention to the moving parts, and I have to build relationships of trust that allow that to happen at, to to a great degree. Uh, through that trust in others. So we come back to that. 
And I think that the loneliness piece is almost a fear that we're afraid to move into relationships that have that kind of meaning attached to them, where trust is at a level where we can just work together and it feels natural. There's a flow to it that exists. Um, because there's too much concern, there's too much worry. Um, there's a lack of attention across the, the entire enterprise or the team and whoever's involved. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. So that relationship of trust, Edgar, yeah. th this idea, I, I mean, you acknowledge that the relationship changes, right? You move into leadership and the relationship changes with your peer group. Right. We had a, in fact, we had a question come in about that. Yeah. And actually, um, before... Uh, Hi, we, Jim. Hey. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, we've had actually a lot of action on um, our live feed right now, even. And before we get to that question, we should probably wrap up because it's right on the topic. Uh, Robert from the live session just texted in. Um, what would it look like when business leaders and investment... Uh, excuse me. <laughs> what would it look like when business leaders and investors achieve alignment that produced aligned value creation for all stakeholders. And what would it look like? Yeah. Success. <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, you'd, you'd be, you'd be recognizing uh, less misalignment. So you'd, you'd probably look at it through the lens of, well, and feeling a sense of success because you're not chasing down the misalignments or needing to deal with all the conflicts that come from the misalignments. I think what it really looks like uh, and how you can, as best as I can describe it, see it happening, is that the fulfillment uh, for the customer and the recipient of your product and service is an alignment and there's a belief that whatever that fulfillment is, that human motivation that, that you're responding to through the product or service, that that's understood by all of the people involved and engaged in the design, the creation, and delivery of the product or service, that they get it and they can actually feel it. And that they're able to see in the metrics of the business, and this is an important aspect and goes back to Ken's paying attention piece, is that you have metrics in the business that actually measure that, that, that you can have a line of sight to see whether that's happening or not. Oftentimes, and we have a lot of tracking systems, the popularity of OKRs, EOS, all of those, which I think are great systemic ways of coming at it, we still need to be able to recognize what are we actually measuring and why and bring that back to the, and make, make sure that that's a part of it and that's understood. The essence of metrics and measurement and, and tracking isn't that we're able to do it or establish accountabilities for things getting done. It's to create a deeper understanding of what's important to the business because it's important to the customer and that the, that the shareholders and investors understand that as well, which is what brings them to the table. All too often, investors are just you know, you know, interested in, in return. And as, and as uh, uh, Ken and I know, and, and this comes from working with organizations where you can see boards or investors really engage, is that they're aligned to the purpose. They're aligned to, to what's really important to the business and to the customer. I think there's something to be said in there about structure, too. And we often, uh, I'm, I'm just reminded of the one, the one organization we worked with where, you know, they were redesigning who was in their C-suite and they were picking the positions off the, the traditional list. Yeah. And they said, really, we need, we need, you know, we need a vice president in charge of this. And we were like, well, why can't you have one if that's important? In that same organization, you talked about OKRs. I mean, that was, uh, 
you know, the first go round, they had this wonderful list of OKRs, which when you took them in total, weren't really measuring the things they had just said was important. Yeah. So they were doing the act of measuring something. Uh, uh, Robert's question, here's the movie reference. We'll bring it out uh, a little early um, today. All right. Um, and, and then I want to uh, go challenge you. You know, when we talk about the three human motivations that come out of FIRO theory, right. often I think what works with people is to talk about you know, here's what it, here's what it, here's the opposite of what it is, right? To feel included, the opposite is to feel lonely and excluded, lonely and ostracized. Excluded. Yeah. And so maybe it'll it'll behoove us to talk about um, what it doesn't look like. Well, yeah, because what it doesn't look like, that's the indicator of the fear. Yeah. When we have it, we don't have that fear of yeah. us. You know. So here's I want to I want to give the audience kind of a mental image, um, and. Uh, so the movie reference this week is Apollo 13. So I think here's what alignment looks like when they have to solve the problem to get those astronauts back. Mm-hmm. Everybody believes in what they're trying to accomplish, is mm-hmm. focused on what they're trying to accomplish. Yes, and engage in the problem-solving process to do it. So that's, that's a, I think, an image to think about of what alignment looks like. Mm-hmm. But um, let's go back and talk about those opposites, Edgar. Mm-hmm. You, you talked about what success looks like. Um, talk about what you, would, what you might see in an everyday situation around a culture that might be the opposite of alignment. Uh, yeah. Well, what, um, let's begin with an... And, and break it down. Uh, here, so here's some ways that you can you can easy, very quickly see it. One is people don't feel listened. They feel excluded. They don't feel heard. They don't have a sense of importance or significance as a result. Um, so you see that happening. They want to be engaged, and they can't find a path to being engaged, or it seems like it's not allowed. Uh, you can't participate. You're not. You're not. You're not welcome to participate. So, do you mean by that that there are these? Um these layers. I, I don't know if my, I, I don't know if my current <laughs> boss is going to tune into this podcast, but I, I will say one of the things that I think is, um, you know, I always make a joke about trickle down economics doesn't really work. Neither does trickle down leadership, right? This leader can only talk to the leader next to them, can only talk to the leader next to them. And, right. you know, we just expect it's like one whopper game of telephone every time we want to communicate. So there's an exclusion built in there. And there's a line I used to use in, in speeches is that uh, formality gets in the way of the truth. In other words, informal systems and free flow of communication begins with then people being heard, which leads to another aspect when people cannot be open. Uh, openness is a trait of an aligned culture. Openness, that people can express what they think, see, and feel. And when people are unable to do that and they can't really be themselves, that's a misalignment. If I have a thought and idea and I can't express it or that I feedback for a leader and I can't share that, that's problematic. And so there's that aspect of it. And the other one that I think that shines really brightly that you see it coming off and, and re- really reflects misalignment is when leadership is engaged in, in over-controlling because the opposite side you know, is is letting go and empowering. But in in when you look at and you start peeling away the layers of it, the reason that that's happening is because just naturally as human beings, we don't want to be embarrassed or humiliated for not being good enough. 
that we don't want to fail. We don't want to have a loss of control because it puts us in a situation of not being able to predict success. And so that, that misalignment, uh, so misaligned cultures and the high degree of over control or tendencies to be, you know, dictatorial in a way, you, you get that, you get that sense that really what's the current there is don't, don't mess up. Don't screw up. Don't make a mistake. You're going to be embarrassed, humiliated. Somebody's going to call you out for it in front of others and all the different aspects that we learn as children to be fearful of. We learn as children not to want to be ostracized and we, we want to be heard and, and not be ignored. And we learn as children that we need to be able to be honest and be ourselves to really bring ourselves into the world in a, in a truly powerful way. Yeah, you know, I don't like it. And I think that goes back to Jay's question about, you know, what if somebody shares their opinion uh, about your impact and it's not the opinion that you wanted for yourself or for your work? Uh, uh, just a quick side mention. It seems like everything you just said exacerbated by by the concept of imposter syndrome, right? I'm yeah. not I'm not 100% sure that I am I'm ready to do this or able to do this. So I tend to go the opposite direction and, and exert more control so that I can I have more say in the results. Yeah, which is and and that also goes back to the question of I'm in a group of people and now I'm the leader of a group of people, uh, and now I need to manifest a different a different form of relationship. Uh, some leaders don't know how to move there, and so they they can't really establish the role of leadership that people around them are expecting them to take. And then there's others that, of course, swing the pendulum all the other way that says, okay, now I'm in charge and look out, you know, look, look out world. Uh, and the simplicity here is that it begs for a conversation. It begs for a conversation of what, what, what my relationships now look like with the people that before I was a coworker, a peer, and now I'm leading them. I, it begs a conversation. So there's a feeling, there's a feeling in the workforce that is um, one of feeling overworked. So many organizations have stripped back and uh, leaned out to a way where... Which has also been part of what's been uh, being elevated by remote, by working remotely. We see more and more of this where people are, you know, putting in six, seven day a week efforts. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, Edgar, I don't have... I don't have the shut off. I, I personally don't have the shut off. And, and it's been so interesting to me because over the course of my career, phrases like, don't work so hard, stop doing so much, take a break. Um, and I, I was sharing with somebody, you know, during uh, the, the peak of COVID when we were all working at home, <laughs> I had, I think I've shared this with you. I had to, re I had to really wrestle with myself because we we're working more, um, just like some of the research is coming out, working more. And finally, eight, nine, 10, 11 months in, um, I told myself that it was okay to, to take a nap in the middle of the day. And so, you know, about three o'clock is my lull time. And I would close my eyes for a little while. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, you know, can you do that? <laughs> right? I mean, and this was the idea that, you know, would I do it in my office? Well, A, I have. <laughs> I've seen you do it in the middle of meetings. No, I'm just li I'm lying about that. That's not true. But, you know, here's, here's my thought. 
Uh-huh. You know, and I, these are not good. These are not good habits that I'll share of myself. Um, right. And, and you know what people tell you when you have bad habits, <laughs> don't do them. Not, yeah, right. not helpful really. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what happens is I get up a little bit before 6am. Um, uh, sometimes with a little help from my dog. Um, he's hungry. Um, it's breakfast time and the clock works well in him. Um, but I come down, I put food in his bowl. I turn the coffee pot on. I pour myself a glass of orange juice and take my vitamin. And I check my email. Every day, six o'clock. Doesn't matter if it's Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday. Doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Same, same, same. What happens before I go to bed? Check my email. I look and figure out what I got to do, what I got to think about. So work doesn't have a separation. I'm actually kind of nervous. We're going to be empty nesters here when we send our old oh. youngest to college. My wife and I are working a whole ton of, of hours right now. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But, but you know, this relationship with work, it's different for everybody. Okay, time out. <laughs> <laughs> we might as well just break it down just a little <laughs> bit. We don't have to answer the Should questions Should we leave this for, for another podcast? We may want to leave it for another podcast. <laughs> Until we do, the question I would ask is, is it really that the conversation is about work or the conversation is about the relationship between you and Amy? And to start with that, <laughs> this, is where the, this is where alignment comes into play. Where you say, really, what, what, what's my intention? What is my intention to my relationships? And what's important, and I'm not going to balance my work and my marriage. I'm going to integrate my work into my marriage or the other way around. However it is that you want to come at it, there's no rights and wrongs. It's a matter of aligning to yourself and aligning in your relationships to make that work. And um, so I think it's interesting that you hit on that because that's probably a a, a nice topic for the to come back around to in the future sometime. what What really are we talking about here? Yeah, uh, because that's what it is when we marry ourselves to our work, and you hear people say that, uh, actually use that expression, is what really are you, uh, you know, what, what level of importance and what does alignment look like in your life? You know, what's most important? I recall Lady Gaga years ago, uh, somebody was questioning about you know looking for a, a piece of gossip around her relationships, and she said, "Hey, I, my relationship is to my work and my fans. I don't have time for." Another kind of, you know, I don't have time for that kind of romantic relationship because this is where I want to be, and and the clarity of that, and of course that sh- that can shift over time. Yeah, the thing is to have a really honest conversation, to have an honest conversation with the people in your life, and then to ultimately have an honest conversation with yourself. Yeah, yeah. you know, I don't. Um, I'm a puzzle guy. I like I like puzzles. Oh, I, I love, like I love puzzles with a bottle of single malt next to me. I'm sorry. I just that's <laughs> a rainy day and a puzzle and a bottle. Uh. I, I that's a fun I like my brain being occupied by by something that is puzzling. Uh-huh. Right? Um, oh yeah, that's you. I agree. And so I think that's the you know, that's my sounds funny to say this out loud. Work is a safe space for me because, A, it's never done. It's always a different puzzle. You turn away and you turn back and it looks different. Different people, different days, 
it's always a puzzle. And I think that's why I spend my time there. Yeah. And if that's, yeah, I, I think they're the same. Uh, there, there's a great deal of that that applies to me as well in terms of curiosities, what drives it all. But at the same time, it's a matter of how much it is that we then pay attention to um, other people in our world in a way that also satisfies us. Does a good leader want to have to solve problems about human beings? That's what you're doing anyway, so you might as well get good at it. It's, it's, always, it's always about the people at the end of the day. Isn't that the frightening thing for a leader, potentially? It can be, because that's the moving target. Like you said, you know, every day looks different, and the reason that it looks different is that uh, while, you know, everything that we generate in the world is, is generated primarily, well, at least from the vantage point of business. Yeah, that's what we're doing. And so it is, it is all about how we interpret and understand people in our world and, and how we manage that effectively and how we align ourselves in those relationships. So, Edgar, you know, this is the, uh, you know, everybody that's ever taken a psychology 101 class is going gonna, is gonna to have a lesson on Pavlov. And in and the classical conditioning model, uh-huh. are we at a place now where generationally there's been a certain amount of conditioning of expectation? Yes, and it's always been there, from generation to generation. So there's the likenesses and there's the differences. The world around us is changing, and therefore the demands and the expectations are constantly shifting and changing. What I find to be the most powerful aspect of that, of this, is simply that you again, and it's going to sound very repetitive. You've got to go back and have the conversations. We have to be we have to be able to have the conversations at a larger scale and create larger scale dialogues, and ultimately we have to have the ability to, to have intimate conversations with one another. So, talk to me about the conversations um, around fear. And, and and let me frame that question a little bit. So you talked to, um, you, you, you mentioned earlier, Edgar, this idea of you have to be in constant communication. You have to be finding out about one another all the time. Leader, follower, manager, people that work with them, mm-hmm. coworkers, at all levels, you have to have this constant level of communication. And, and we've said you know, alignment really is the absence of fear. There's something that happens in a conversation from uh, worker to manager, worker to boss to supervisor, whatever language we want to use there, where there's times when there's fear mm-hmm. in the conversation and times when there is not. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, that's that's one of my um strengths it doubles as a weakness I can tend to have conversations with my supervisors with my bosses that um, I can only imagine in their eyes looks like I have no fear whatsoever um, because it's an it's an honest and frank question curiosity conversation point um, it's not um, when I'm like that I don't I don't I'm not afraid mm-hmm. right I mean I'm I'm kind of laying bare take me right Take me as who I am, but I don't have fear in that moment. Right, so you act fearlessly. 
but not everybody can do that. I mean, there's a lot of fear, I mean, you know, raising my children and, you know, they're having what is, you know, effectively their first conversations with their bosses, right? And they're simple right now, like, I'm afraid of calling them by the wrong name, <laughs> you know? And so their conversations are very fearful. You know, what if, what if, you know, how, I mean, how do I write this email? How, what should I say to them? That's kind of the conversation with, with my young daughters. How do, how does both a, a leader talking to someone that they're, they oversee in a work chart and an employee talking to their boss, how do they not have fear in those conversations? We do. Uh, so that's probably the first thing to do is embrace it, that the fear will be there. I think one of the greatest, um, there's two aspects of this that I think are so important. One we, we've talked about just recently in one of the podcasts was this idea of listening fearlessly and fearless exploration and listening with vulnerability as opposed to just speaking with vulnerability. And I think that's a piece of it. The other one that I think is so valuable to consider and to be able to do this as a leader is recognize what my fear is. And you don't have to use the word fear. You can say concern or um, a hesitation I have. And actually invite, invite the conversation of fear by role modeling it. In other words, I need to have a, a conversation with you. And my concern is that you may not be able to share everything with me out of, out of a, a concern or fear that you may have. And I really have, that's my fear. That's my concern. And I don't want that to get in the way. And to, to be able to make statements of intention, to make statements of concern and, and fear, I think is one of the most powerful things that we can do in any relationship. And it's one of the most powerful things that leaders can do. Because unless you're able to become aware and, and look at yourself and understand your own fear, you're not going to be able to bring it into the conversation. You're not going to be able to articulate it. And you're not going to welcome someone else to a place of vulnerability unless you role model that as a leader. So much of the paradigms of how people see that, that relationships are managed in, in, in teams and in groups and organizations come from the observation of the leader. Those paradigms are put in place and, and definitions of trust, definitions of what's appropriate and appropriate, acceptable and acceptable behavior, uh, and, of course, the multitude of definitions that come with, like, what does teaming look like? What does decision-making look like? What does yeah. empowerment look like? All come from the leader. And I don't think there's anything more powerful than being able to demonstrate openness and being able to confront fear for leaders to be able to do that and not always come from a position of, of, of just a strength in having a, a suit of armor on. You know, this goes back to the idea of some, you know, the, the arm is going to get dented. You might as well learn to, yeah. to, to, go, to go on without it. There's some countercultural, yeah. uh, I, I back to that conditioning model, right? I mean, culturally, we stand up leaders as um, you know, I don't, I don't want to have a political conversation here, but we like, like a, our parents, they're not supposed to have flaws. We like, we, <laughs> well, we like, we like a strength. Like, <laughs> I know yeah. the, I know the answers, yeah. right? <laughs> I'm, I'm fearless. All of these kinds of, um, you know, adolescent leadership traits are countercultural to the idea of, you know, cause I, even when you say listening with vulnerability, you know, we had that conversation on the podcast and I, that's such a strong 
such that's something we should continue to come back with because it's not just listening. It's the way you model listening, which opens you up to questions, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't say, I'll listen to you because I have the answers. It, it, it says, I'll listen to you because I'm curious how we can do this together. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, uh, that's just goes against everything that's presented to us. Bring the expectations in the spoken realm and uh, bring your concerns into the, I bring them into words, demonstrate it, be able to do it. Uh, one of the most powerful things I, I know from my own experience of parenting is when your kids are teenagers and instead of telling the kid, you know, this is what <laughs> your, your son, your daughter, whoever it is, you know, this is what you ought to be doing. It, it's uh it's a much powerful, I think, approach to come at it and say, hey, look, here's, here's what I really want for our relationship. This is, this is what I'm afraid of, and this is what I really want, and to move to that place and focus on the relationship. Edgar, we got, I got asked uh, yeah. months ago what our podcast was about. Was it about business? Was it about personal? Uh, the answer is yes. Yeah, it's all of, it, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah, at the end of the day, it all points back to, I know, oversimplifying it is that it all comes back to alignment. And any time we're out of alignment, we've got an opportunity. If, if we're out of alignment in a relationship and we have a concern or fear, bring it into the conversation, create alignment. Don't have an answer to, to a question? Yeah, well, let's have a conversation. Now you can help me find an answer. Yeah. It's work. It's work. It's uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and the disc and I, you know, we we're big advocates. You and I know just experiential learning is in moments of discomfort. We do some of our best learning. You know, discomfort uh, it, it reminds us misalignment reminds us that there's the opportunity. And w- as long as we see the world full of opportunities and we're curious about what they present, uh, to me, that's what makes great leaders. That's what makes great leaders. And you wouldn't be in a leadership position if you weren't thinking and seeing what the possibilities are and the opportunities are. Thanks for the conversation today, Edgar. Oh, thank you. As always, and thank you. I'd, I know that there's a, you've, you've gotten other uh, people writing in during the course of the, today's podcast that we didn't get to, and maybe it's a good idea for us to go through those and see and, and – uh, See what uh, see what next week's about. Yeah. yeah, if your questions were to answer today, um, as always, reach out to info at truealignment dot com, and uh, thank you guys for everyone that was in the in the chat today. Yeah, thanks, and thank you, Jim, our uh, producer, audio guy, and uh, and colleague, and and friend. So thanks. Thank you guys. Yep. A pleasure to be here. All right. Oh, well, I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Thanks for listening to the True Alignment Podcast. And we'll see you next time around. All questions, short comments, as always, are welcome. See you again.